Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snow White. My hands pluck the things I know that I'll need. I take the sugar and butter from the pantry. I add the flour to begin what I am hoping to start. And then it's down with the recipe and bake from the heart. the bathroom of the Hilton Midtown West 53rd and Avenue of Americas in New York. This will be the first part of the road trip podcast for the summer. Hopefully there's not too much of an echo. You're probably thinking why the bathroom? Well, 
the wife kicked me out of the hotel room proper. So I'm going to record in here. This is a get away from the kid, get away from the city, Northern Virginia hustle and bustle, and come up here and just get our eat on. And that is what we're doing. Yesterday also happened to be a free fly fishing day in New York, so no license required. We dropped off the luggage and everything here, and we had a glass of wine at the concierge lounge and headed up to Central Park. There was a daily show stand-up comic event. So while we're walking there, we step down the steps into Central Park in the first urban wildlife. I come across are two baby raccoons feeding along the shore. I took out my tenkara rod and strung it up and put on a medium-sized Chernobyl ant. It's about a size 12 hook, maybe, and cast it out, and the bluegills just went nuts. So not too difficult to catch a bluegill in Central Park. And I've always wanted to fish up here, so I can cross that off my list. I bumped into some tourists from Korea. That's South Korea because North Koreans aren't allowed to leave. They wanted to hold the fish or take a picture of with me. I'm not sure, but um, I helped him cast a 10 car rod and he hooked and landed a fish and his lady friend took a picture and they were quite pleased. Then we walked a little bit further and came across a, a guy who not sure of his Asian origins may have been Japanese, not sure, but he had about a five foot piece of stripped and aged bamboo with the red Tonkara rod tip on it and about seven feet of line. And it just looked like he was throwing a white egg. I couldn't tell. I offered him a Chernobyl and he didn't want it. And there was a huge large mouth in front of him and he kind of motioned for me to catch it. And I put on a worm. And by the time I got it rigged up, that bass was gone. It was probably about 14 to 16 inches. It would have been pretty cool landing that. And the wife got pictures of me with my fish. And we walked around a little bit more. And I'm like, I want to find some carp. And sure enough, there were about five carp in the 15 to 20 pound range feeding. I had the worm on. I put it in front of a bunch. The bluegills would get it first. And they just weren't interested. I don't know what I would do. I think I had 4X tip it on anyway. So it would not have been a pleasant hooking experience. So then we go and get in line for this daily show event. And we're standing in line along this trail, and I am on the curb of this walking trail. And this old lady, twice my age, is coming up through there. She's all elbows sticking out, power walking, and she's getting pissed we're in the way. And she decides she's going to cut through where the wife and I are standing and go around everybody on the grass. So she comes up to me and yells, get out of my way. And she... I guess you could say assaulted me. She elbowed me and then she pushed me out of the way and kept on going. And everyone was like, what the hell was that? Some old lady assaulted me in Central Park. You can scratch that off the bucket list as well. That was uh, definitely a strange one. We stood in line for about 40 minutes. Fantastic people watching. I've never seen more Glamazon women in my life. There were more six foot tall women going by jogging or on skateboards and rollerblades and bicycles. I don't know what was going on. 
but these chicks were tall. They could have been Rockettes. I don't know. And we finally get up to the event, and we hang out with a family from oh, St. Paul, Minnesota, maybe? And the mom offers to go get us free Ben and Jerry's, and we hang out, and then the show starts, and it's the warm-up guy for The Daily Show and then Daily Show Correspondence. And we don't really watch The Daily Show just because of the time it's on, but the audio was horrendous, and we only stayed for about 20 minutes, and it was so bad I went over to the public radio booth to talk to them, and it turns out they were allowing people to record station identifications. So I did a station ID for whatever the public radio is up here in New York. I think it's 8.20 a.m. And then we just said, screw this, we're leaving. And where did we go? We went to try and find a restaurant called, it's not upholstery, something with scissors, seamstress. Google said it was open, it was closed. And then we wanted to go to some Chinese joint downtown and we called there and no one answered so we said screw it let's come back here and eat halal guys so i did a big old swarm of dinner and in fact it's 9 45 right now we're waiting for game of thrones to come on at 11 10 see the wife canceled hbo and our dvr because she was so pissed at verizon customer service for screwing with our bill now instead of messing with them she messed with me so i got no dvr now I'm going to be upset. I was trying to catch up on P. Allen Smith, Garden Home, Royal Pains, and Death in Paradise. Anyway, so we uh, went out all over the city today. No fishing involved. I left the 10-car rod here. I uh, did find another sex toy on a street. So now that makes it California, Virginia, Maryland, New York, and Australia that I find adult novelties out and about on my walkabouts. We are headed to Columbus next weekend for the 4th, so you're going to have to wait for that. My plan is to go carp fishing on the Olentangy and then meet up with cousin Caleb and do something with him because that dude's an outdoorsman and he's got something planned because everyone at the house speaks Russian and I don't, so I'll feel ignored. I need to go grab some ice water because my throat is uh, a little rough and I got to go wait. Game of Thrones is on 1110. It's 946. So give me 45 minutes to get a falafel. Our dinner tonight wasn't that big and I wanted to get an argument. It said there were black trumpet fungi or mushrooms in the dish and there weren't any. They're very distinct looking from a normal Basidio Mycota of a stipe and a cap and these don't have them. And uh, the wife just told me not to get into it with them. Like the time there was steelhead salmon on the menu at Lion Hall in Virginia. So stay tuned. I will check in with you next from Columbus, Ohio. So that was Sunday up in Manhattan. Monday morning, went down to the hotel lounge. Got some coffee, filled the backpack up with some cans and here's aluminum bottles of Coke, some bottled water. And made our way over to the High Line. And we went up to the High Line. It was early morning. So we had the place to ourselves, which was awesome for me. Because I like to stop every square inch and touch and smell smell and feel. And just explore all the different types of plants up there. Much to the wife's disappointment. Because I was walking slow. There were uh, 
and old people walking past me. And I was taking my time up there real slow, and it was fun. We finally went down to where the benches are. I guess you can say more of like a chaise lounge. We just hung out there and watched people go by. There was a statue of this old bald man in tidy whiteies, and you pretty much had to get right next to it to make sure that it wasn't one of those people that pretended to be a statue and just stand still for a long time. So it was fun just watching people go up to this artwork and kind of you know wait to see if the, thing, the guy took a breath or if he moved. And it was fun taking pictures with him and watching people taking pictures with him. And because it had been Pride Day the day before, he was covered in rainbow lays and had uh, rainbow beads on him. And he had some kind of flyer in one hand. His arms were outstretched, kind of like his, you know, walking zombie. And he also had Mardi Gras beads on him and maybe some feathers, like a feather boa. I'm not sure. But it was pretty cool. As so we hung out there for a good hour, made our way over to Chelsea Market. So this must have been early because mo- the market wasn't open yet. And we walked around in there and I see this guy. So the wife goes to this uh, Halava place. I was never a halava fan. It's like the sesame candy. My grandma would always bring the stuff from the grocery store in Florida from Publix, and I was never a fan. But this is apparently like the best that it gets. And so the wife hung out there and was talking to them, and I was getting bored. So I went over and watched the guy starting to make pizza at the other booth behind them. And I see them throw in some arancini, the risotto balls in the fryer. And I start asking the guy questions, and he looks at me. He's like, no English, Italiano. I was like, okay. So I talked to the other guy. He's like, yeah, man, that guy's Sicilian. He doesn't speak any English. He just cooks. I'm like, well, some uh, Sicilian dude that doesn't speak English is going to be making risotto balls. I definitely want to eat them. So I convinced them to sell me one before they opened. It turned out to be a $6 risotto ball. And I'll tell you all this background noise in a bit where we are now. Um, they gave it to me with this marinara sauce that was like the best tomato sauce I've ever had. Outside was just crispy, crunchy, inside chewy, seasoned. We ate that. And then we went over to the hummus restaurant. And I can't remember the name of it now. And they were making the fresh pita bread in front of us. So we ordered some hummus with pickled beets and had a bunch of other sides thrown in. They were nice and generous and gave us a whole bunch of sides to go with it. And They had this mint lime, I don't know, some kind of frozen concoction. So the wife got one of those. And then uh, after about an hour inside the market... We, and by the way, the hummus was ridiculous. It, it ruins you. You're never going to eat that Sabra stuff or the Costco brand ever again after you eat this stuff. We went from there back up to the High Line to just digest and hang out for maybe another hour. And then we went over to Italy, which is the Mario Batali indoor marketplace. That place was enormous and packed. It was very hard walking around. They had more types of cheese and pastas and meats at at these little gastronomic subdivisions within there. It was awesome. I could have spent all day eating in there. We went up to the rooftop to have some drinks. I had a cask-aged lavender 
blood orange beer. You know, I'm not a big cask ale guy because there's not enough bubbles to it. It's such like drinking iced tea. Uh, if I've ever talked about the time we had that private tour at New Belgium in Fort Collins, we um, had the kind of uncarbonated fat tire, and it tasted kind of like just really good iced tea. So we're up on the rooftop, and it is just sweltering hot, and there's not a whole lot of shade. It's supposed to look like a beach bar up there, so there's umbrellas and awnings, so our backs were exposed. So we had to get another drink to cool off, and the wife got a Negroni, which is disgusting. I can't do Campari or Aperol, and the guy puts this uh, lemon sorbet in it, and she basically looks at me with the WTF face look and it's like the greatest thing she's ever had and it's going to be like the new house cocktail so she was ecstatic and we were going to get another drink but we decided we'll keep moving we're going to walk down to prince pizza so prince pizza was somewhere off of prince street and um i'm looking through my pictures so all the echinacea was in bloom up there and uh, there's a sign that said, beyond this point, you may encounter nude sunbathers, which we didn't. Oh, come on. Prince Pizza. So this little pizza joint downtown had um, kind of square-shaped pizza. And you would... Oh, I have to go back. So also, I'm looking at my pictures. So uh, we went to this the Chelsea Wine Vault where they had you know wine on sale for $7.49. Uh, Pappy Van Winkle 20 year was $1,999 acquired from a private collector. They have their McAllen's were 1982 Grand Reserva, single malt scotch, 25 year old, 1962. Uh, that doesn't make sense. 62 is a lot longer than 25 years. McAllen anniversary malt, 1970, 25 year old. So I guess it was 25 years and came out there. They have McAllen. 1946 Select Reserve 52-year-old Scotch Whiskey, McAllen Single Malt 1950, and 25-year-old 1957. They also had the Queen's 50th Anniversary Scotch, which was in the vault, and they said I was not allowed to go to the vault. But these guys were saying they'll do $80,000 worth of booze and put it in a Uber and have it driven out to the Hamptons for weekend parties. Um, they had a Tommy gun that you would screw a bottle of champagne into and it would spray champagne out just overindulgence by people that can afford it. And it was nuts. We got some wine from there. The wife was very excited to find some, I don't know, Portuguese wine. So I'm wearing a day pack with the Cokes and the water bottles and now a bottle of wine in there. So it got a little heavy walking around a little sweaty. So we get down to that Prince pizza and it is awesome it is these little pepperonis on there and uh, just perfectly spicy chewy crispy crunchy pizza prince street pizza if you're in manhattan it was freaking awesome and we standing room only you know, a little garlic a little parmesan a little extra uh, oregano on there some chili flakes it was so good from there um we're walking i guess down to the village and, of course, I pass a, uh, a dildo on the street because I have a penchant for finding sex toys. Hold on a second. I swear that dog needs to be busted in his head at some point. Okay. Uh, so we pass the dildo in the street. And, of course, the random picture I get, it looks like two people crossing 
the street and kissing at the same time. And then we, where do we go from there? Walk through the village. And then back up to the High Line. And we look up, I want to go to um, classic old bars in Manhattan. That's my thing, dive bars. So we go to this one, Billy something. Um, this is why I take pictures of everything. This place is called Billy Marks West. For dive bars, it was eight bucks for a high life and a shot. So the wife and I had a shot of Jameson. Uh, I can't tell you the last time I saw her ever take a shot or the last time we ever took shots together. So that was pretty fun. And we're slowly making our way back uptown. And we passed the hummus restaurant on the way up and told the hummus lady where we were going. She told us to go to another bar, but it's out of our way. So we get back up to the hotel. We have a glass of rosé in the lounge. We shower. And we're getting ready to go to this restaurant called Upland. And it's starting to rain. And we get take an Uber down there just because it's faster. And the wife is wearing fancy shoes. Now, these are the shoes that are good to be seen in, but not good to be walking in. And, of course, we leave the hotel. We get in an Uber. No one looks at her shoes. No one looks at her shoes in the Uber. We get out. We go to the restaurant. We're seated immediately. No one ever saw her feet. So the shoes are pointless. I don't get women in their shoes. We sit down. We get fried duck legs. We get some cocktails, and then my dinner is what they called annulati, which annulati should be a half-moon-shaped stuffed pasta. These were a little longer. They looked like big like skull pouches, and it was in this mushroom reduction sauce. It was supposed to be, oh, what was it, Dame? Blackhorn or something, black trumpet, whatever it was, was not the mushroom in the sauce. The mushrooms that were sliced were definitely like a – a cremini because these mushrooms don't have um, the stipe and the cap that a typical mushroom would, which is what we saw in there. These things are just kind of shoot up. They look like trumpets or trombones, kind of more of a fused fungus. Uh, either way, uh, we were in and out in like 40 minutes. I guess the food wasn't too complicated to make. It was ridiculous. We cleaned our plates. The butter was so good. We had second rounds of butter and we opted not to have dessert. I don't remember why. I think we were just too damn full and the restaurant was awesome. Um, awesome pictures of the lighting inside. Um, the wife looked totally hot, exposed shoulders. Uh, and I'll put pictures of these up on the blog, but my God, that food was so good. I forget what she had some kind of like, Beef liver ragu over churro-looking pasta shapes. It looked like her pasta came out of a Play-Doh mold. And they have pickled onion or uh, pickled lemons all over the bar that are backlit. It's a really cool-looking place. And uh, I think she wanted to get dessert. So from there, we walked to Italy, which was a couple blocks. And while she's in line getting gelato, I'm going through the cheeses, which were pre-cut and help yourself. And I, I can name all of them. Um, but there were some absolutely stinky washed rinds, some classic cheeses in there. Um, you know, um, Bosnia uh, Robiola is one of my favorites. I'm going through Carbonocino, Mount Tam, Lou Berger, Laydard, Mount Alice, uh, 
Harbesian, Nocheta di Capra, Taleggio, which is a super stinky one. Um, just And I was sending pictures to my neighbor, Christy, because we always eat a lot of cheese together, and this just wall of cheese was insane. And they had a cheese called Everton, so uh, I wanted to buy that. And then uh, we walked through Italy, and I've got this picture of these two women, and I'm looking at the picture now, and they've got a bottle of rosé and a charcuterie and cheese plate with crusty bread and an elevated table, and they just look like they're having the time of their life. I wanted to switch with them. So we walk through Italy, and then finally make it back to the hotel, and we crash because we were walking. I think we did probably six and a half miles that day, and I was wearing my comfortable shoes, no flip-flops for me in the city, and uh, I think it helped, definitely helped. I should have worn compression socks. I walked around with them, pulled up to my knees, and that would have helped because it, it hurts walking on concrete all day long. And the wife has no sense of direction in the city. Uh, luckily, she had me to help her get around, plus Google Maps just really helps you orient yourself. And once you figure out east-west and then the avenues, it's it's pretty damn easy to get around Manhattan if you never have. And we made a pact that no subways were going to walk everywhere. So we get up the next morning, and we're going to go down to the bottom of Manhattan next to Katz's Deli. It's Russ and Daughters. And my wife's like, oh, it's going to be the most amazing breakfast you've ever had. I'm thinking just awesome, like bagels and some kind of meats and cup of coffee, maybe some kind of latkes or potatoes because we're in New York. And we walk, and it is now humid and hot. And I'm wearing the backpack with all this stuff in it. And it takes like an hour and a half to get down there. We have to stop a couple times in like hotels to use the bathroom because it was that long of a walk. And we get down to Russ and Daughters. All these service fish, smoked fish, pickled fish, grilled fish, salted fish, you name it. This 150-year-old restaurant does nothing but fish on bagels. And I was like, I just walked this freaking far to get uh, wild western Nova Scotian, Gaspé, Scottish salmon, loins, um, white fishes all this is nasty stuff so i was pretty pissed and it wasn't even a sit-down place to eat you alana sat outside on a bench so i went down the street to the kanish restaurant and realized these things were gonna be a gut bomb so i got two knishes best wishes i got a potato one and then a spinach one and i downed that potato one fairly fast and never even finished the spinach got a couple bites in so from there we walk up to bleaker and down to Bleecker, and we're going to walk through all the narrow spots of the village, try to meet up with some of our Healing Waters friends that live down there, but didn't work. And then um, by now, it's around 11 o'clock noon, and I'm thinking, uh, thinking I need a pint of beer. So we're walking around, and she doesn't want to go to the Blind Tiger, and she doesn't want to go to Bouvet. And through my phone, I found Chumley's, the old bar I used to frequent when I was in college. And we finally stumble... Um, just all through the village and we look up, you know, oldest bars, old bars in, near me and we come up with the White Horse Tavern, which is from the 1880s or something. So we go in there and have a beer and hang out and just people watch. And from there, I think we'd already been to Washington Square Park. So we stopped there, Washington Square, before we made it into the village. And we saw one of the actors from the movie SWAT. He was also in Dead Poet Society. And we also saw a guy throwing darts at a tree for practice. Now, if this guy had missed the tree, he would have hit some kid in the head. 
because there were kids from camp running all over the park. They were doing some kind of photo shoot next to us. So we just hung out. We people watch in Manhattan. That's what we like to do. So then we go through the village. We go up to the White Horse. And then from there, uh, where did we go? We went around the corner to the Spotted Pig, which is, uh, forget her name, Blumenthal's restaurant. And I have always wanted to eat there. And I wanted to get the burger, but I knew we were going to not have space in our bellies for that after the knishes and and uh, other nauseous. So we get the garlic shoestring fries and just have a pint of beer and hang out. There's a family from Annapolis we talked to. There's a guy next to us that grew up in Florida, and he's been living in the village. And he was just there having a cup of coffee. And we just hung out and just a real chill time. I really want that $25 burger. And from there, where did we go? I think from there, we walked, uh, see the spotted pig. Okay, I'll read a history of the, the tavern. Established in 1880, the White Horse Tavern is the second oldest continually run tavern in New York City. Originally a longshoreman's bar serving the men working the piers along the Hudson River. The horse became popular with writers and artists in the early 50s, most renowned being Dylan Thomas, who found the tavern reminiscent of his favorite haunts in his home country of Wales. Kerouac and the Beat Poets, along with many other literary giants, soon followed, along with some of the most influential people in jazz and the newly burgeoning folk and rock music scene. I was brought up on folk. The bar retains much of its original wood and work and tin ceiling and is a landmark site. We hope you enjoy your time there. And there's a sign behind the bar. To all employees, Jim has no friends or family. Be suspicious of anyone claiming otherwise. And we also saw a guy in a crown walk by because it's Manhattan. Oh, and the beer I had at Spotted Pig was Old Speckled Hen on draft with nitrogen. Oh, the creamy head on that, the sizzle, the mmm, that stuff just was so good. And from there, we passed a bicycle that was there's a tandem bike decorated like a yellow submarine from the Beatles. Uh, one bar that said, even Jon Snow knows happy hour, 12 to 5, it's a good idea. Because Jon Snow, you know nothing. Then we make our way up to the High Line. Again, chill for probably an hour and people watch. And then we go down to Chelsea Market. And our first stop is, where did we go? I wanted a sandwich for lunch. I wanted a crusty, chewy. So we go to the Capone's Sandwiches. And I get the, what did I get? I got the Capone. Capicola, Superseta, Salami, Provolone, Arugula, Mozzarella, Hot Peppers. And it's criminal just how effing good that sandwich is. Uh, the textures. I mean, I don't know why people eat at Subway. That That's disgusting. Everything there tastes the same. This is what sandwiches are made out of. It was awesome. So we split that. And then we said hi to our friends over at the Hummus Restaurant. And then we made our way over to Mock Bar. So my brother works in Manhattan on Wednesdays for Gale International. And he said, you got to go to Mock Bar. It's Korean. They do a lot of catering for my office. So we sit down. We get a cold tiger beer. Our first order is rice sticks fried with bacon and a sweet and sour sauce over it. Unbelievable. Textures, crunches. And then we get their wings, which may have been better than Bonchon. I like the mild ones over the spicy. It was the texture and flavor on them that is not like anything else. 
your nasty, greasy wings at your favorite pub don't compare to what Korean fried chicken is. The wife had a sampler of kimchi, and then we had a order of spare rib dumplings in a sweet and sour hot sauce. It was awesome. So mock wings are crispy cornflake fried wings, choice of spicy, house-made gochujang sauce, and mild bulgogi. Uh, we had, I wanted to get disco fries, which were ramen, gravy, mozzarella, kimchi, and scallions with nori, but we didn't have that. And what else did we have there? From then, we uh, went back to the High Line, all the way up to the top, got up on 28th and made our way north. And we finally found the bar that the hummus lady has suggested, and that was Rudy's. And by now, I'm just sloshing around with liquids and food, and I'm exhausted. Now, this joint, you get a free hot dog with every beer. And I got a $3 house red ale on draft. Where can you get a $3 draft in Manhattan? And I passed on the hot dog because I was way full. And the entire place was held together with red duct tape. The booths were nothing but red duct tape. This is one of the best dive bars. And I was the youngest person by at least 15 years. This place could have been you know, in Miami somewhere, like with the old retirees. It was awesome. And we're pretty exhausted now. We've been walking. This is like 5 o'clock. We've been walking since 8 so about six and a half to seven miles that day. Um, and the drafts were Rudy's Blonde and Rudy's Red. And then everything else was like four bucks. And then I got a picture outside of that. So now we've got to go up to like 57th to a liquor store to get my dad a Spanish uh, cava, sparkling wine. And as we're going up there, we pass Jackie Mason, the comedian from... Uh, Matzo ball, matzo was it chicken soup for the soul? He's an old stand-up comic. If you listen to Michael Mayer's show, Mike always does impersonations. This guy had the craziest orange hair you'd ever seen, completely fake. So I doubled back down the sidewalk and got a picture of him. And then we uh, head back to the hotel, have a glass of wine, relax, shower, change, and make our way down to Broadway to see Waitress the Musical. Now you know. Kind of have a thing for Sarah Bareilles and her music. She wrote the music to this. It's based on a movie from a couple years ago. And as we're waiting in line, Richard Kind walks by. He's the actor from Spin City. And I guess he did a voice in my brother-in-law's movie, Inside Out, which my in-laws have. And I guess I'll watch that tonight. So we go in there, and there's fresh baked pie in the lobby. So the whole place smells amazing. And the show was awesome. It had Kimoko Glenn, who plays Soso. On Orange is the New Black, she was up there, and um, Jesse Mueller was the lead. It was amazing. Oh, my God. You just look up Waitress Musical Tony Awards, and you can hear some or on YouTube and see some of the live shows. And then the song by, by an old man, which wasn't on this the uh, iTunes album I bought, was absolutely beautiful. It, it, um, you know what? I'll probably play it as an outro on this recording. So from there, um, I wanted to hang out and get a picture of So-So and the other actors and actresses, but it started raining, so we doubled back to the hotel pretty quickly. And on the way out of the venue, they were serving um, pie in mason jars and wine in 
like plastic reusable cups that said waitress on them. And I found one on the floor that somebody discarded. So I got myself a souvenir waitress cup. So we walk back to the hotel, we start packing, and it is uh, time to go to bed because we got to get up in the morning. So we go back, and I am hungry now because we didn't eat dinner. We just ate all day long. So I stopped by the Halal guys on West 53rd at the hotel and get a, a beef gyro platter. The problem is I put too much hot sauce on it. I ruined it. It was, uh, it was too painful to eat. Even at 11 o'clock, having not eaten since 5-ish, 4 o'clock, it was, it was troublesome. I had sweat coming down my face, and the sweat was burning because it went through me that fast. It was hot. From there, uh, yeah, we get up in the morning and trying to get a slice of pizza for breakfast. My friend Tucker gave me a spot to eat at Penn Station called Don Pepe's, so I go in there, and they're not open. Everything in New York opens late. I don't get it. This place opened at 10, and we had to catch our bus. So I asked the guy if he'd sell me a slice through the uh, vertical metal bars that had the restaurant closed off. He said no. And I wanted to be like, yo, man, a homie from Sicily sold me an arancini, and they weren't open. So I ended up getting my bagel, which is everything bagel with red onions and egg salad and iceberg lettuce. Could have used some salt on it. And we get on the bus and uh, came home. And that was the short trip to Manhattan to see waiters for our anniversary. And for me to knock off fly fishing in Central Park with my Tenkara rod, I still wish I hadn't been assaulted by that old woman because that was just degrading to me. And I wish the sound was better at the Daily Show play event stand-up comic. And that was a waste of time just sitting in line. We could have been walking around, done some more carp fishing, whatever, been anywhere but there. And afterwards, that seamstress restaurant my wife wanted to go to wasn't open either even though it said it on Google. So we learned you got to call every place to make sure they're open. Uh, so now I am in uh, Columbus, Ohio. Going to go fish the Olentangy tomorrow with my cousin Caleb because it's supposed to rain tomorrow afternoon. We're here in town for the 4th of July, in case you didn't know what 4th it was. It's not like the 4th of August or the, I don't know what other 4th there are that are important. May the 4th is a big one. So I tied up some of Mike Dokuto's Cree bugs, and I'm going to try and throw those tomorrow. Uh, the majority of my fly rods are all broken. We had a client break one, landing a gar. He reeled the fish in all the way to the top of the rod, and then we would netted it. It snapped. I didn't realize how far he'd reeled in. And then I didn't secure the drift boat oar in the boat coming home, and the oar must have jumped up, and it Fell down and broke uh, my seven foot eleven eight weight, my nine foot eight weight recon, my nine foot five weight Orvis Clearwater, and then it broke the handle off of a reel that was facing the other direction. So I'm kind of limited up here. I brought a seven foot five weight, I brought a ten foot eight weight, and I have a nine foot six weight. And I'm kind of screwed. I've already had to order new rods from Orvis because I can't guide because I've already got two rods in the shop. So I'm out five rods right now for guiding, which are the most popular ones we fish. Whew. Don't know what else I'm going to do up here uh, besides hanging out with the family. My, I got my wife the cookbook from that hummus restaurant, and she made the hummus. It took her two days, and it's ridiculous. I'll have to get you the name of that 
we got a snakehead two weeks ago. If uh, you haven't seen that on social media, uh, I've got to give a shout out to Fred Irati. If I'm pronouncing that right, Fred, we didn't go over your last name. Uh, his kids wanted to hear a shout out to him. Well, I can tell you kids, your dad might be one of the, the best fishermen I've ever had the pleasure of guiding. I've only had two people ever hook and land a snakehead. And he hooks it. We're fishing for gar. And he's like, I think it's a snakehead. I'm like thinking to myself, all right, Fred, you drove down from Jersey. You've never seen a snakehead. Maybe it's a big catfish. And this thing is bulldogging down. It was like fighting a bag of wet sand and fins. It didn't want to come up. So I get the net and I go to grab it and it comes up and I see that white chin. I'm like, oh my God, it's a snakehead. And it's a big one. We're probably talking 12 to I see 12 pounds, maybe uh, probably about a year and a half old to two years. And we gave it to my neighbors. They ate it, uh, I think last Monday while we were in New York. So yeah, I'm going to end it here. Hopefully I'll fill in more with you, um, on the fishing adventures that I experience. And let's, uh, how's my count offline? No connection. All right. So this is Sarah Bareilles. Take it from an old man, which I think, is one of the better songs from the play. Okay. Take it from an old man Time's just sand slipping past we want to hold it in our hands No one ever sees What falls through the cracks Take it from an old man My mistakes have made me And I am what I am And though I don't believe Silver linings I believe there's something in you Something good is trying to break through You might have to fight the good fight And when you think you can't You can take it from an old man Take it from an old man The days don't stretch any longer They've left tracks upon my skin But I reckon made me stronger And I wish I could give that to you Help you see the world like I One time Cause honey win or lose It's one hell of a
something you should be seeing too. When you lack the strength of your own, honey, hold out your hands and take it from an old man. When you think you can't, you can take it from an old man. Good morning. I'm in Columbus. I'm gonna go carp fishing on one of the rivers in downtown. There's a shot spot I was shown a couple years ago. But let me tell you about last night. This stuff only happens to me, it seems. I don't know. So we meet up with the wife's best friend and her husband to go look at some galleries, art galleries, for Gallery Hop, first of the month, down on High Street. And we go to a little cocktail bar, and it's too busy, so we are going to stand behind the people sitting at the bar. And Scotty and I look down, and it's two women. Got to say they were uh, quite easy on the eye. And they're scrolling through pictures on their phone. I'm like, all right, whatever. And then being guys, you can spot uh, kids. You may want to turn this down. Uh, guys, we can spot boobs anywhere. It's just a thing. And it seems that the one on the right had done some kind of naughty photo shoot and was scrolling through all of her topless photos showing her friend out in the open. Now, I'm not complaining about this at all. And I'm thinking, this is pretty hilarious. So I start messaging people. I'm like, you won't believe what's going on. This lady is showing booby pictures basically to everybody in public here. And uh, we were giggling like little boys behind them for several minutes. And I got to say, that woman... Uh, she looks pretty good with her clothes on and with her clothes off. And then we start walking around and we're just going to kind of just walk around near High Street and look at some more art galleries. And we stumble across this new beer garden. And I kind of and there's just a, one woman standing on this empty patio. There's no one there. The lights are kind of down. And there's just eight by ten pieces of paper stuck up on some of the furniture there and I just walk in because I want a beer garden table for our screen and porch so I, I walk up and I'm like I, I just want to look at your, your tables here and the woman's like okay fine and then I'm like by the way why are you just standing here out in the open by yourself she says well this is our soft opening we were having a private event tonight, but now it's open to the public. I said, all right, uh, what does that mean? She's like, well, everything on the menu tonight is free. You just have to pay for the bar. And I was curious. So she walked us in, and I see there's some, some pretty good beers on tap. I'm like, all right, let's do this. So we go upstairs, and uh, I get a turbo dog. The wife gets uh, something. Natalia gets an iced tea, and Scotty gets a beer. And then I start looking through the menu. <clears throat> and the busboy gives me, 
Mmm. <clears throat> Yummy. The busboy gives me a pen, and he's like, what do you want? And I'm like, I'm just going to circle what we're going to get. Make it easier. That way you don't have to write things down. He's like, uh, okay. So we start off with bacon that's coated in brown sugar and maple syrup and then roasted in the oven. We start off with spicy corn nuts. We get the creamy, silky smooth, peppery grits. We get the sweet potato souffle with baby marshmallows. We get the southern style mac and cheese with toasted breadcrumbs. We get, I gotta think about this now. We get the uh, spoon bread. You know what they didn't bring were the biscuits. Damn it. We got fries with a spicy aioli. I got the fried chicken sandwich, which might be now in the top 10 for sandwiches. That fried chicken there was amazing. Everything on there, there was slaw, there was chewy, crusty bread, perfectly seasoned, perfectly crispy fried chicken. And then we had as much fried chicken as we could eat. And by the time we're done, it looked like a family had just eaten a Thanksgiving dinner. There were so many just plates, and it was amazing. I don't think they knew what they were getting in for, and apparently we could have kept ordering. They, oh, and we got the uh, mashed potatoes with the horseradish sauce and gravy with uh, minced chives, microgreen chives. It was all just insanely good. I can't tell you how much fun we had. And what are the chances that you just find a bar and they're like, come on in and order whatever you want off the menu. The panhandlers outside could have just taken their coins, gone in, gotten a drink from the bar, and then sat there eating all night. And we passed two guys that were just milling around the front. We're like, dude, on our way out, we're like, you should probably go in there. It's all you can eat. Just pay for the drinks. And they have some exotic beers. Didn't look at the wine and other cocktails. They do make their own uh, rum punch and Long Island iced tea, which you can get both in a pitcher. So this is called the Eagle. It is on High Street in the short north of Columbus. I highly recommend you go by... Tuesday of this week, it will no longer be free. It will be their grand opening. But if you want some fried chicken and you want some other pretty awesome sides, the Eagle is where you want to go. It's pretty damn awesome. So now I'm headed to go carp fishing. Slept on the air mattress last night. It was a little hot in the 112-year-old house. It's overcast. There is rain expected. Caleb, my cousin, said that the water's probably going to be pretty stained. He works for, I think, like Ohio Department of Natural Resources. He and his wife both. Uh, so he's on the water a lot, and he knows what's going on. So I, I told him, dude, don't bother driving in. Um, if it's good, we can go back in the afternoon. If not, you know, just whatever. So, uh, yeah, I will let you know how this goes. Passing the Wonder Bread and the Smith Brothers Hardware, if you know your Columbus. And there's no traffic here. It is ridiculous. I have not been on open roads like this in a long time. I can't... What, what this drive I'm doing now, 5.3 miles, I would give myself 
at this time in the morning, probably about 40 minutes back home. It's awesome. All right. I will check back with you after uh, I go wet wading because I forgot my wellies and I didn't bring waders. It's just one of those trips where you forget things. All right. And I haven't eaten breakfast yet because I'm still so full from last night. It was amazing. They were so good. Oh, man. I should go get a fried chicken sandwich now for lunch. Tempting. Let's talk about carp, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the carpy things that made my day so awesomely. So I get over towards the river and I get out of the car and I put the six weight together. And I'm using the Cortland floating clear six weight line that is probably at least 10 or 11 years old. I've only spooled it up maybe a year ago. And I tie on my Cree bug and I've got eight pound tippet, Berkeley Vanish. And I head down to the river and I'm not seeing much. And I scramble down the hill and uh, scratch myself up a bit, but that's just how life is. Get down to the river and I'm walking back and forth and I'm not seeing anything. So I move down, I go under one of the bridges and it's overcast. It's a little drizzly and there's very low light because actually it's raining right now. The sun is very low to the horizon still. It's only like 845. And the visibility is dodgy at best. Uh, but below the bridge, there's a little sandbar. And out of nowhere, uh, two carp slide up and start feeding on it. And I make one bat cast and lay it out, do the drag and drop. I put the fly right in front of one of the carp. And guess what? It ate it. I set the hook and I was into my backing. After a good minute, two-minute fight, I landed a nice common carp that was probably uh, 26 inches long, if not bigger. Absolutely beautiful, the Cree bug right in its mouth, and I tied three of those Cree bugs up for the day. And then I start walking up and down the shoreline, you know, just wet wading, and there's giant clams everywhere, there are crayfish under the rocks, a couple minnows, no real aquatic life of any sort. And I've really only got maybe 15 feet in front of me that I can see. After that, it just goes to just brown. It's um, you know mostly mud bottom. The water itself is clear, but with the overcast and the low light, I just couldn't see a thing. And I end up walking up and down maybe 100 yards, sight casting, dragging and dropping. Oh my gosh, there's a huge Great Dane showing up to the block party out front here on Ardmore. I'm about to go meal. There's a potluck going on out front. We're making sliders or something. And <clears throat> waiting for uh, cousin Caleb to show up. And at this point, I'm like, all right, I caught one fish. The weather sucks. I'm probably going to leave. And uh, I tell him that. But I'm like, you know what? Let me just go upstream. So I go under the bridge. And there's an eddy just upstream of the bridge. And there's a carp facing me maybe six or seven feet away. And again, I strip off some line, throw the fly down, drag and drop it, twitch it. And I don't know what to call it other than just fly fishing instinct or intuition of having done this for so long. 
Remember, I'm not a carp fisherman. This is something I rarely get to do. But for the last one, I set the hook just knowing it was the right time. And it worked. And the second fish, I happened to set the hook just at the time that my instinct and body said set the hook. And this fish was off. And I'm into my backing again. And he's just peeling line off. I'm reeling it in, peeling line off. Got my rod bent sideways, dragging it in. And I'm just, I'm so happy at this point. The fact that I've been sight casting and I've hooked two carp in one day. I managed to pull it up on the beach and land it. It's a mirror carp. So that's my first mirror carp ever. It's got some pretty nasty lesions on it. So I was careful not really to touch it, but had the Cree bug right in the corner of its mouth on those rubbery lips and snapped my pictures. And then Caleb said he was on his way. So I went back uphill and uh, was looking for more carp and trying to get advantage point. Went downstream, decided to blind cast into a big hole, ended up breaking off. So now I'm down to one Cree bug. I sit down for about 10 minutes and tie on a new tip it that mirror carp got my eight pound a little scratched up so I reach into my patagonia shoulder sling bag and i've only got 10 pound berkeley vanish i'm like all right whatever i'll put that on like the fish can really tell like microns and nanometers apart in tippet so i put the 10 pound on and do a little loop knot to another cree bug and then i feel like i've waited the fish out it would have been better to have like a lifeguard stand or a ladder to look down from above to where these fish were because I can only see them when they kind of come into the shore. And this is all, I'm fishing all in like six inches of water for these fish, six to eight inches. You can definitely tell when they're mudding and you can see the fins. And usually it was two to three at a time that were together. But those ones in the groups, I was never able to hook. And I see one tailing this time and I see Caleb's car parked back behind me with the canoe on it. So I know he's on his way down. I go to cast over and I don't, see or hear my plop of the fly and i cast again and i realized that it was a bad knot and my cree bug fell off so now i'm down to one cree bug and i think i'm gonna have to tie these up at a beer tie or something because uh the only other fly i've ever consistently hooked and landed carp on is a coffin's rubber-legged stone fly these are much easier to tie and they're super buggy looking and i was flipping over rocks and the crayfish were that size and that color it was fantastic i even got bit by one of the crayfish it clamped down on me so you can add that to organisms that have quote unquote bitten me it wasn't really a bite but he chomped on me uh so caleb's there he's got this rubbery jig thing on i don't know he's he was gonna be his fly rod but he forgot i think we're gonna go out on tuesday the 5th of july back there with the flies i've got left in my bag and we start working our way down we start finding stuff like uh, find a prosthetic leg. We find a bullet still in the shell. It's like a seven inch long. Don't know what that's from. We found a perfectly good brand new life jacket for kids, 30 to 50 pounds. I would have taken it. It was obviously fresh because there was no dirt or mud or anything on it, no mildew. But you know what the wife would say. And we keep walking down and um, Caleb gets a little large mouth. And right below him, I see a, another carp, maybe two feet out of the wall, off from shore. And I throw it, drag and drop. And then it's that same instinct that I can't describe. It's not like 
my internal clock or body just said, now, it was just, at some point, I just lifted the rod up and yanked, hoping I wasn't going to line the fish. It was when the fish turned, and it's that little turn. You can't see the mouth. It's just the body motion and body movement of the fish that kind of told me to set the hook. And he's off, and he's peeling line out, and then uh, I've got a tangle inside my reel. So I have to pop the spool off and hold the fish in the current while I untangle it using my teeth and my left hand because my right arm has got a bent rod in it. And Caleb comes down to watch, and we land the fish. I give him my phone, and I go to grab it, and it and there's no beach now. It's just like a rocky drop-off. It pops off the 10-pound, and so now we realize these fish – up here are not shy of 10 pound tippet berkeley vanish he swims off with my cree bug in his mouth i tried grabbing it that was my last cree bug so i put on a crayfish a little size four same size as all the shad puffs and shad busters and most of my chernobyls and my um helgramites we keep fishing down river and caleb's giving me the lowdown on the history of the stream and the structures and aquatic life because it's what he does for a living. And we get skunks. So we're going to get in our cars and we're going to go down to Confluence Park where the Olentangy and the Shadow Skiado River meet. And we go down there and Caleb gets two smallmouth. I fish for maybe 20 minutes. I lose, start losing flies. There's a lot of rocks in the water here. And I ended up losing a reaper fly which pissed me off because there's a lot of expensive materials that go into them i see a, a carp again in front of me feeding i put on that little crayfish bug dragging in front of him nothing and now it's like two o'clock and it is time to head back i haven't eaten anything yet today and all i had in the car was a warm bottle of mexican coke i didn't have an opener and i used the back end of a bottle of sunscreen as a lever to pop it open Thankfully, I was wearing my glasses because somehow the heat and the pressure from the drive up here expanded inside the Coke. And that cap shot out so hard, it took a piece of plastic off the frame of my Costas, which I need to send in soon because the nose piece fell off and they just kind of awkwardly fit me. So that's about it for today's carp adventure. I was uh, quite pleased. I landed three carp on the fly. And I also set the hook on, I don't know if it was a bluegill or something. I didn't realize it on the Cree bug. And I went to cast again, and this fish flew off into shoulder-deep weeds. I was unable to find it. So hopefully all those raccoon tracks along the river today, something will find that fish and put it to good use. A great time. I've never fished with Caleb. We've known each other probably six years now. So that was pretty sweet. And I am going to go uh, try and find some chips and salsa. It's raining, but that never stopped me from a smorgasbord. What a great weekend up here. Boobies, free food, carp on the fly. So stay tuned. Maybe something else will happen. You never know. All right, back at it. It's July 5th. Yesterday was a long day. Started off with the parade in Bexley. Finished up with hanging out at the in-law's back patio and just listening to the distant fireworks I'm walking over to an overpass right now gonna go check out some more carp fishing I'm gonna scout them from above it's rained the last two days 
the water from up here is pretty clear. Very surprised. Caleb's got to work today, so I'm going solo. And I'm going to see what I can find from above. I'm all out of Cree bugs. Couldn't get anything to eat that little crayfish. Maybe it was just me. So right now I'm fishing my HNIC, the head nymph in charge. And then I've got a soft hackle flashback pheasant tail with a little black bead on it. Those are going to be my two choices for today. And if I lose those, probably a snow white damsel. We will have to see. Let's take a look from up here. All right. I can't see a whole lot. It looks pretty deep. A lot of litter down there. I beam. Oh, there's a carp tail. Two carp tailing. All right, this is pretty cool. Three carp tailing. From way up here, they're right next to that I beam. This is pretty damn cool. Four carp tailing. I got to figure out how to get down to this shoreline now. Five carp now. My word. So I'm going to leave you because uh, I'm going to get down below and figure out how to fish for these guys. It's a pretty cool sight from up here. They're in just a couple inches of water. Well, of course, now they just moved. I don't know if they can see me up here, but they all just slid back into the water. Having the sunshine right now, I can see everything on that bottom. All right, well, you hang tight. I'm actually going to cross right now. Let's go find out what's on the other side. Those fish are gone. But it's pretty cool to see them from up here. All right, let's do this without getting run over. If I could find those people that were lighting fireworks off in my in-law's neighborhood last night, I would have held them down and let Dr. Jones breathe in their face. Because I was trying to go to bed... And he was on my chest, breathing in my face, scared to death, because he, he doesn't care much for the fireworks. I think you might have to add my take on that Cree bug to the website when I get home. Definitely coming out with more of those next time. All right, I'm on the other side right now. Not seeing a whole lot of anything. Oh, my goodness. One, two, three, four, five. Five carp tailing. Six. Seven, eight. Nine. I can see nine carp from my vantage point up here. I should say more of muddy, not tailing. It's not really shallow enough for them to have their tail sticking out, or deep enough, I should say. Uh, but yeah, I'm done with you guys. I'm going to catch these fish checking with you later of course while i'm up here they all just slid back into the current and there's a huge school of little fish back home i'd say those are white perch but i don't know there's probably 40 or 50 of them right there sweet all right let's do this well we're back home in virginia i gotta say it was a fun little road trip I'm going to miss that carpy stream I fished the other day. It would be amazing to have water like that back here, not just to fish myself, but to guide on. I can't imagine how much fun I would have walking a shoreline like that, 
spotting carp with clients and watching them cast to feeding fish on the bottom of that size that would repeatedly take my offerings. It would be, um, that would be very rewarding. I got to tell you, my eyes were exhausted from that, being that the visibility was just so poor and I probably could use a 10-gallon hat or a sombrero to further block the light around me. And of course, within an hour of getting back to my in-law's house, the sun fully came out. So I, I just didn't have the weather with me. The drive back was fairly easy. Didn't hit traffic until Gaithersburg, Maryland. And then the last 20 minutes took an hour. I'm going to give you all a little warning. Next time you're about to fill up the wiper fluid... Or clean the windows of your car at the gas station with that wiper fluid tank. Make sure you check it first because today I started wiping the windows and then noticed that someone had thrown up inside the wiper fluid receptacle and I had been washing my windows with barf. And then I got a smell of it and then I almost barfed because if there's things I can't handle, it's gastric juices. And then I had to make sure that none of it got on me because if it had, I would have been dry heaving in the Sheets parking lot in West Virginia. And that Sheets, I've never seen more types of smokeless tobacco in my life. That was just insane, the variety and flavors and styles they had. So we're back here, back to work this weekend. Got a a four-hour guide trip and... For those inquiring about the iCast podcast, that is not going to happen this year. The wife is leaving for Singapore on Saturday, which leaves me with the Pixie for a full eight days. And iCast is no place for a five-year-old. There's no way I'm driving to Florida with her. And the hotels are probably all booked, so we'd have to car camp. So it's just not going to happen. I've got some interviews lined up. Still working on additional one-liners and my podcast on bucket list of places I want to go to. So stay tuned. We're going to throw this over to Jason. Stay tuned until the next podcast. Thanks for enjoying little road trips to Manhattan and Columbus, Ohio. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. Thanks. This has been a production of Freestone Media at freestone-media.com.